Good to see you all. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, not that most of you got a say in it, obviously, uh, but it's lovely to be with you. So uh, let me tell you a little bit more about myself, why I'm speaking on this uh, whole area of sexuality, and, uh, and we'll sort of go, go through from there. So uh, I, I, um, I became a Christian when I was about 16, and uh, the way that happened was I was invited along to church, and uh, I'd, I'd kind of gone along to church when I was growing up in a relatively traditional church, and uh, I was invited along to this church, and it was a kind of a youth church. We had like sort of disco flashing lights and dry ice. I mean, it was the 90s, so, you know, be, be, be kind. Uh, and, but, and I'd never seen anything like that before. And the, the, the guy who was doing the talk said something which really struck home to me. I'll just tell you what he said. And the fact that you rem- I remember it shows that it struck home. Um, jo- insert joke about how much you remember from preachers here. You write your own. And, um, he, and he said this. Uh, if God is real... He ought to be at the centre of your life. If God exists, it's not enough to believe in, in, in him, but if he's there, he ought to be the most important thing in your life. And that kind of made sense intuitively to me. I thought, well, I believe in God, but uh, he's, he's, he's sort of out there. He was sort of out there. In, in, I mean, I believe in God in the same way that I believe in Australia. You know, like, it's real, but it doesn't have anything very much to do with me. Um, apart from watching, watching Neighbours or, or, or whatever. So it, it's, it's there in theory. Uh, but this, that really struck home with me. I thought, well, if God is real, yeah, I can see that he ought to be the most important thing in my life. So I decided then I'm going to try and make God the most important thing, in my, the centre of my life. Now, don't always succeed in that any more than anyone else will do who tries to do that, but that is the, the idea. And so that was the age of about 16. And soon after that... I, I, I came to terms, I started to realise and accept the fact that I was gay. Uh, now, for, you probably all know, you're probably very aware, you're probably very clued up in High Wycombe, that for most people, uh, or many people, sexuality is a spectrum. So some people will be much more attracted to the opposite sex and kind of pretty much exclusively at one end of the spectrum. Other people will be kind of right at the other end of the spectrum and only attracted to people of the same sex. And a lot of people are somewhere in the middle, kind of uh, uh, more people than is often given credit, credit for are, are, are somewhere in, in the middle. But for me, I was kind of at, at that time solely at the same sex attracted end of the spectrum, attracted to other guys. So my, the way it happened was kind of like my guy, my guy friends, my friends were all kind of like saying, like, oh, you know, have you seen her? She's, she's really fit, isn't she? And I'd be kind of like looking dreamily into their eyes. And I'd say like, oh, yes, she really is, you know. <laughs> Not very convincing, a little bit awkward. Uh, maybe you feel a bit awkward. Did I overshare? Sorry. <laughs> now. <laughs> Dear pastor... <laughs> Uh, anyway, no, I'm sure you're not going to write that. There. So that was so I was I was I was gay. I was a Christian. That was kind of where I was at. So uh, now in my church, this youth church that I mentioned, we, we had we had what I will call um, the sex talk. You know, like church full of young people, you need to do the sex talk, okay? And the the the, the talk was a bit. I'll just su- summarise that for you this morning. Uh, it was basically like this: Mar- uh, sex is a good gift. From God, it's a good thing, but it's a gift from God for marriage. 
It's for a particular purpose. Like I said, it's the 90s, so this is long before there's any idea of same-sex marriage as a possibility. Uh, it, it, when, so when they say it's for marriage, they mean only between a man and a woman. Sex is good, but it's for marriage. Therefore, wait for marriage. That was the, that was the talk, okay? Wait was the punchline. Now, can any of you see the flaw in that talk? In my opinion, there's good things in the talk, but there's a big flaw, isn't there? That Have you noticed not everyone gets married? And for me, as someone who's busy looking dreamily into my friend's eyes, clearly marriage was not an option. It was not going to happen because I didn't fancy girls. Therefore, marriage couldn't happen, and therefore, sex couldn't happen either. I thought, well, okay, if I'm going to follow that teaching, follow that talk, that means no, no sex for me. So I'm going to be, I'm gay, but I'm going to be celibate. I'm not going to act on my sexual desires, on my, on my feelings. Uh, and that was, that was where, very much where I was at. Now, I went, to, um, I went off to university, and uh, there, that, a couple of things uh, were very helpful there for me. The, the first thing that I, that I would say was helpful was that I was able to be um, open about my sexuality there, both with people who were Christians, people who weren't Christians, um, to meet other, other gay people. Uh, and that was, that was really helpful because um, what I discovered, and this is kind of really uh, a big part of what I want to share with you this morning, what I discovered was when I was open with people about my sexuality, I did not receive any judgment or criticism uh, from, from my Christian friends. They, when I, I said, I'm, I'm gay, this is, this is who I am, um, nobody challenged that about me. Everyone accepted me unconditionally just as I was. Um, I'm standing over here where the worship, I was, in, I was in, the, in the worship team, in the music team in my church where they knew I was gay. No one had a problem with me being on the stage and doing, doing music and singing and so on. I was in the prayer team. I occasionally was allowed to do talks and encouraged to do talks and, and, and so on in church and, and, and even encouraged to consider that God might be calling me towards ordination, and which, I now, which, I've, which I've done, now ordained in the Church of England. So for me, it was very much the case that the church was a loving, accepting place, helping me to live the way that I wanted to live, uh, and accepting me for who I was as a gay, as a gay man. Um, now, what was funny was, amongst the gay people that I knew, and some of the people who weren't Christians, um, I did receive kind of challenge or judgment about not for being gay, but for being celibate and a Christian, because it was like, you know, okay, you're a Christian, that's bananas enough for some people, not for everyone, of course, but some people, uh, but you, you're celibate, you're not going to have sex at all, that's dangerous. I mean, that's actually seen as, you know, so I had some interesting conversations uh, about that. And, and most of my friends who weren't Christians were very respectful. They asked me what I thought. We had a discussion, sometimes robust discussion, but in a loving and respectful way. But occasionally that veered into more kind of unpleasant or sort of rudeness or, or, or whatever. Uh, once in particular, I overheard some people talking about me when they weren't aware that I was listening to them and they were being sort of really rude. So, uh, so, so for me... Far from the church being anti-gay, I found acceptance and nurture in the church 
Whereas it was in, my, uh, in the wider kind of groups of people that I was involved with that I found things a bit more challenging uh, as, as, a, as an openly gay uh, celibate person. So that was the way that I, that I was um, sort of uh, in, in, that, in that time in my, in my life. And, and here's the thing. I was, like I'd said, I'd heard the, heard the sex talk. But when I was, also when I was at university, people who were kind of wise Christians didn't just say, well, that's the sex talk, get on with it. They very much encouraged me to think it through for myself. So it wasn't a question of, you've just got to do as you're told and live the way that we tell you. It was also a case of, think it through. You've got to work out whether this is really what you believe and whether you want to commit your, your life to this kind of way of, way of life. So, and, and so here's kind of how I'd like to kind of summarize that. In the church, I was accepted unconditionally just as I was. No strings attached, love and acceptance. And at the same time, I was encouraged to think through what the Bible said about sex for myself, to study it, to engage with it, to look at the different points of view and interpretations. So unconditional love and acceptance and going deeper into the Bible and thinking things through for myself. That was the combination that helped me, that, that, that nurtured me, that made church and, and life safe for me and healthy, and that I was able to work out what I thought and, and how I wanted to live my, my life. And uh, if you're a Christian this morning, uh, I guess I'd like to sort of ask you and say, kind of, does that remind you of anyone? Love and unconditional acceptance with kind of moral guidance and helping you go deeper into the Bible and think for yourself. To me, those things go together perfectly in Jesus. If you're not a Christian here this morning, normally when Christian preachers ask that kind of rhetorical question, the answer is Jesus. There's your kind of cheat sheet. Now you know. Like, so love and acceptance, teaching and going deeper, for me, that was, it, it, that was sort of the church was living out and modelling the way I saw Jesus treat people in, in the Bible. Uh, because Jesus was, when he was on earth, uh, he was kind of a magnet for people who were kind of marginalized or unacceptable in their society uh, or, or people who were treated poorly. So women, for example, who were socially, at that time, sadly, treated as socially inferior to men, often gravitated towards Jesus, who treated them with much more respect and as people in their own right who could follow God and learn about God in their own right. People who had leprosy, who were religious and social outcasts in their day, uh, came to Jesus and he would uh, accept them. In, indeed, he would physically touch them, which was a very radical thing to do, which, which especially religious leaders wouldn't do, would have thought that it would have made them unclean. But Jesus reached out and touched them. And other examples, my favorite, this one's a joke, is he even, he even mixed with tax collectors. He, he, he accepted everyone. So, so, this is, so Jesus did that. And yet, if you know anything about Jesus, you will have noticed about him that he didn't half have a gob on him. That's a technical, theological term, obviously. He... he, he he loved people, he drew people to himself, and yet 
he, uh, he, he taught them, he spoke to them, he challenged them about the way they lived their lives. That is the, the combination that I found so uh, helpful in my own life that the church showed, showed me. The church, in its love for me, in its acceptance of me, and in the way it helped me engage with, with the Bible, modelled something of what Jesus did, I think, uh, for me. So that was, that's a little bit about kind of how I came to be living as a celibate person, as a gay, but as a gay Christian. Um, and, uh, and as I said, some people found the gay Christian part sort of hard to get their, their, their heads around. Um, and I guess it would be helpful maybe for a couple of minutes to unpack. I'm not going to go into the kind of all of the reason why did I believe that? What was it that convinced me? But I thought it would be helpful at least to share briefly why, what, what did I find persuasive about that view, about the sex talk, if you like, about why is sex only for marriage? And again, it's important to say that this was rooted uh, for me in, in Jesus himself. Sometimes said, um, in fact, I heard a preacher say recently, someone came up to him and said, what do you think about homosexuality? And, uh, and the preacher was a canny person. And he, said, uh, he said, I believe everything that Jesus said about it. And this guy who was asking him said, right, great, and went, went away again. Didn't realize that Jesus, as far as we know, never mentioned homosexuality. So uh, I don't know what he thought that this guy was agreeing with, but uh, Jesus never mentioned it directly. Well, if we're being pedantic, he never mentioned it, and, and, and then it was written down. It's not, there's, not recorded, there's nothing recorded that he said about it. But he was asked about another contentious ethical, moral, sexual issue of his day, which was divorce and remarriage. He was asked about that. And his response is really interesting. Let me have a look at that. If you, uh, uh, you might be familiar with this, these verses in, um, uh, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19. Jesus said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no one separate. So Jesus never mentioned homosexuality directly, but he, when he was quizzed about sexual ethics, the place that he looks to, that his go-to kind of place, his paradigm, his definition is... The stories of creation right at the beginning of the Bible, right at the beginning of the Old Testament, where, as I read out, it talks about God making us male and female. That's going to be important when I tell you the next bit of my story in a moment. He made us male and female. And then he says, and those whom God has joined together, no one should separate. In other words, this is Yes, we know that marriages break up. Of course we know that. But that's not, that wasn't God's original plan. It wasn't God's original intention. And, uh, and if we want to know how to live today, Jesus, as it, as it were, saying, it's God's original plan that we need to look at to get our bearings. That's the, the foundational place to, to look at. So for me, that is why I found 
the kind of the, the view of sex and of marriage which I had heard persuasive, namely that, that sex is a good gift, as I said before, but it's a gift for marriage and in 2015, we must add, that marriage is between a man and a woman uh, because that is how God originally set it up. That's how God intended it to be, that he made us men and women and he made marriage to be the union of a man and a woman. Uh, And so as Jesus reads or quotes from Genesis, uh, from that story, uh, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. In other words, the fact that they're joined together in sex is a sign and kind of cements the fact that they are joined together in life. The fact that they're married, that they've coupled together, that they've come together in this way is expressed and and even kind of magnified in the fact that they are joined physically as one flesh in sex. I'm actually talking about sex. In fact, you could even say the, the way that we are... I mean, you've noticed, I take it, that men and women are different to one another. Newsflash. You know, radical theological teaching. Men and women are different to one another, and yet we're the same as one another. We, you've got to say both bits of that sentence. Men and women are different and the same. You can't just say that we're different because we're also the same. We all share in the same humanity. We're all human. We're all equal to, to one another, aren't we? But you can't just say that we're the same because that neglects the fact that we're also different in, in certain ways. So, so we're different yet the same, and it's precisely our difference, our physical sexual differences, that enable us to be united, that enable a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, to be physically united through sex. So that's why I still find that view persuasive. And, and so that, for me, ruled out a, a same, having a same-sex relationship, a sexual relationship with another guy, why I didn't pursue that, in the same way that it would rule out sleeping with someone I wasn't married to, or, or, or casual sex, promiscuous sex, or adultery, or, or rape. Or all, of, all the sexual sins are, are, are ruled out, if you like, in Christian terms, the, 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 the misuses of sex, not because we've got anything against gay people or anything against any other kind of people, but because of what we think sex is actually for, namely, uniting wife and husband in, in marriage. So it's kind of, uh, it rules out some kinds of sex, on a particular ground, on a, that particular reason. So that was why I was compelled by that, that, that view, convinced by that view. So as I said, I was celibate. And now, like Richard mentioned at the beginning, I'm now married, so I'd better explain to you because you might be feeling, oh, hang on, how does that work? If he said he's gay, um, God, probably doesn't work very well. So I'd better explain to you that it does work. And uh, because, you know, you're all appropriately curious. Nosy. We're nosy, aren't we? You know, it's like... I remember when I first started preaching and the person who was training me said, and when you get to that point in your story, uh, get to that point in your sermon, make sure you tell them a personal story, a story about yourself. And you'll see, you can see everyone start to sit up a bit straighter and they pay more attention. Bible, 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 Bible. Let me tell you about, oh, it's going to, might be, share something juicy now. So I'm going to share something juicy. So uh, for me, now I've set myself up to fail now. It won't be juicy enough now. 
for me, what, what changed for me was, uh, I, I was actually, I was in a lecture. Um, now, I'm an academic. Your mileage may vary. Uh, it's not every, you know, I don't, not everyone experiences life-changing moments in academic lectures, but I do. Um, for me, uh, this guy was, was lecturing, and he asked this question. He said, did God create four sexes? Did God create four sexes? And I thought to myself, well, no, obviously, rhetorical question, but the answer is clearly no. God created, like I read out that passage, male and female, two sexes. And it hit me that I had been defining myself as gay almost as if that was my sex, as if that was my sexual identity, as if God had made some of us gay men and gay women and some of us straight men and straight women and then presumably other sexes we'd need to add. He was only talking about those, but, then, but there's plenty of other options as well. But I thought, no, that's not how the Bible defines who I am. It does so in much more physical ways, much more earthy bodily ways, male and female, that that's who I really am sexually. So I, what happened to me was not that my feelings changed in order that my identity should change so that potentially I could, could get married, but what happened was that my identity started to change, that I stopped identify, identifying myself as gay and instead started to identify myself as male, simply as, as a man. Because, by the way, brackets, identifying yourself as straight uh, doesn't help either. I, I, I would encourage you, even if you aren't attracted to people of the same sex, I'd encourage you not to think of yourself as straight, because that makes it sound like somehow your sexuality is nice and normal, that you're sort of fixed, that you don't have sexual problems. But the fact is that we're all sexually broken, and messy people. You know, you are all sexually broken people. And I'm not saying that because you're in High Wycombe, and I think that it's some <laughs> den of sexual iniquity, although it may be, you know. <laughs> I'm saying it because you're human, and I'm human, that we're all messy people. So it's not that I changed my feelings, and then I changed my identity, and that was what enabled me to get married, but it was that I stopped identifying myself as gay, and then some of my feelings started to change. They, they followed my identity. Now, what hasn't happened, need to be honest and transparent, I haven't experienced a kind of fancying loads of guys to fancying loads of girls, and I don't, still don't like football. Um, and, you know, it's... I, it's not like I've become some matcher. It's not like 180-degree reorientation. But the, I have experienced some change in my feelings when my identity changed. Instead of identifying myself as gay, identifying myself as a man, as that being who God had made me to be. And kind of receiving that, if you like, as a gift from, from God. So, so that did start to change. And so um, I'd been friends with Gabby, my wife, for a while. We'd been fr good friends. She knew all about my kind of my sexual orientation, my sexuality. She was one of the people who'd encouraged me and uh, to, to, that God accepted me just as I was, uh, you know, that unconditional acceptance thing. She, she was there with me. And then as we, as we kind of kept growing in friendship, we started to realize that there was more developing as, as well. And, and I think that's kind of, I think that's how it works well anyway in relationships, that rather than thinking, wow, 
he or she is fit. Let, let's see if we can make it work. But actually thinking, wow, there's, this is working. And then let's see if they're also fit. You know, I mean, fit still matters. <laughs> I mean, like I said, sex is a good gift. It's a good gift, but it's not necessary. You, you don't have to have sex to be fulfilled. I've, I've, you know, I've been single, and now I'm married. I've done life without sex, and now I am allowed to have sex. If it help, I've got four children. If it helps, you can think that I, he's probably only done it four times. You know. <laughs> Dear pastor, again. <laughs> so, like... And, and you know what? Like, obviously sex is nice, but it's not the be-all and end-all of life. You can live a perfectly fulfilled life without it, without sex and without marriage. How do I know? Get your cheat sheet out. The answer again is Jesus, who never got married and never had sex, and yet he lived the most fulfilled life that anyone has ever lived, in my view. And if, you, if, you're not, if that's not your view, I encourage you to, to, to look at his life and see, I think, he had this amazing life, but without those, those things that we often in our culture and, in, and even in the church, that we think somehow you need to get married or you need to have this particular ideal fam, of family life in order to be living a, a fulfilled life. Well, Jesus shows us that that being single can be just as fulfilling, in fact, perhaps even more fulfilling than than marriage. Because marriage is good, but even marriage is temporary. Some of you might breathe a sigh of relief. My marriage is temporary. (laughs) After after the earlier service, a couple said to me, um, oh yeah, we're temporarily married, (laughs) after they'd heard my joke. Marriage is temporary, because you, you, even if you're married, you end up single again or dead. You know? <laughs> Think about it. And, and of course, many marriages end, end in, in breakup and separation. M- marriage is good, but it's not the only way to, to, to do life well. And so I've, I've, I've lived it both... I've looked at life from both sides now. I've, I've lived it both ways, and, 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 I, and I'm very happily married, and I like being married obviously, but uh, just to encourage you, if you're single here this morning, that that is a good way to be as well, where we, a, a way of life Jesus himself has honoured and chosen. So back to where I began. For me, the heart of this is, and if you're gay this morning, I really want you to hear this, if you've come to hear this particular topic, I really want you to hear this, that uh, God's love and the church's love must be and should be and are, I think, no strings attached. Unconditional. That was what I experienced in my life, and it was life-changing. And that is not, but that is not opposed to, but it goes along with studying and going deeper in the Bible and understanding what God has for us and the way that, that he has made us. To me, it was those two things together that was the powerful combination. And it's a combination I commend to to all of you as well.